to get control Time to search for soul and start again. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. A couple of topics that we are going to hit on today, along with a couple of voicemails from our devoted listeners, Tyler and Chris, appreciate you guys calling in. David, why don't we just go ahead and jump right into it? Because there's a few little few little news nuggets, whatever you want to call them, that we haven't really spent a whole lot of time talking about. We've had guests out the wazoo for uh, basically the past like two weeks. So uh, why don't we go ahead and just start to dive in, starting with, uh, was it Tyler from Boston is up first? Yes, sir. All right. What's up, boys? Tyler from Boston. Calling in regards to Andre Ellington signing, I like Andre Ellington a lot. Uh, veteran guy. I know he's a Bruce Arians guy. Pass catching back. What do you guys think that his role will be in this upcoming Buccaneers offense, and what does that mean for Quiz and Peyton? Thanks. All right, Tyler. Appreciate the call. Um, I think as far as Quiz and Barber are concerned, I don't think it affects anything about Peyton Barber. Quiz is gone. Like Andre Ellington signing is the Jaquiz Rogers role. Like that's that's what that is. And I saw a lot of people, I even wrote about it on on Bucksnation.com. I saw a lot of people freaking out about the signing, like, you know, oh, it's the Tampa Bay Cardinals, or yeah, this is really gonna improve the run game, or you know, things to that effect. What people seem to forget is that free agency hasn't actually begun yet. And Andre Ellington was able to sign because he wasn't under contract. So, you know, I saw people saying, you know, oh, that's great. They signed Ellington when they could have had Le'Veon Bell. Well, Le'Veon Bell's not a free agent yet. Like, he would become, you know, his his rights are offered up when free agency starts in March. The Andre Ellington signing was a smart one because it's a guy that's familiar with Bruce. It's a guy that's familiar with the offense. He has a veteran presence. He's a veteran leader. He can help guys understand. I mean, you want someone who's played under Bruce Arians to help tutor Ronald Jones, who they you know reportedly have have very high um, beliefs and, and high expectations for, so yeah, the Andre Ellington signing is it's a depth move, it's a veteran leader move. There's also the possibility he may not even make the fifty three man roster. They may be able to cut him in training camp, uh, or or when they have to to cut down from the ninety man. So. You know, it's it's a small move. It's not anything earth shattering, and and people blow it way out of proportion, and it just drives me berserk. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't know why anybody would have a problem with the signing because, like you said, free agency hasn't even started yet. It's 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 not like the Buccaneers went out and signed Ellington over other options or signed Ellington and then didn't draft anyone. Like the the roster is far from set. Um, and, and like you said, Ellington may not even make the final roster. He may not even be on the final 53 when all is said and done. And that could honestly be predetermined. Like there, there could very easily be a situation where, where BA or Byron Leftwich or whoever reached out to Andre and said, Hey, we're installing a new scheme. We want to get this thing done. We've got some, some potential over here, sign you, uh, we'll put you back on the field, help these guys learn and we'll see where we go from there. So he may not even have any, you know, guarantees, you know, uh, unspoken and, and all that's that he's even going to make the team and he may be okay with that i think it, the move is more about getting someone in who's ex- executed the scheme before and done it successfully 
Uh, Andre Ellington's lack of production is from injury, not from ability. Uh, everybody has to remember that, that when he was on the field, he was very effective. It was his ability to stay on the field that uh, derailed his career, so to speak. So when you, when you talk about his influence in a locker room and on a roster and on a team, his influence is going to come from helping Peyton Barber, who has said, uh, who was that he was interviewed or he did an interview with uh, recently. I can't remember, but he, was, he said he's working on trying to become an all-around back. Uh, Ronald Jones, talking to Pew Report recently, talked about how he wants to become a better receiver. Well, this is a guy who has done it, done it successfully, and done it for this system. So who better to teach him? You know what I mean? Players probably learn better from players. You know, students learn better from students and, and all this other stuff. At the end of the day, when you have a coach speaking, coach speak to you, even one who's played before, it doesn't resonate for some reason with younger players, especially as much as it does when a teammate who's wearing the same pads, the same jersey, sweating the same sweat on the practice field is is doing it to you uh, as well. So, you know, that there's there's just a, a multi-pronged attack by bringing a guy like Andre Ellington in. And if he produces and plays for the Bucks, even better. But it's it's far from over. So anybody who's actually complaining about the signing, like there's nothing to complain about. No, no, and and for some reason it, it happens every year, and I'm sure it happens in every fan base where people seem to have this notion that every free agent signing is supposed to be a starter or a pro bowler or an all pro or a future Hall of Famer. It's like there's 53 spots on this roster. There's 22 starters. So I mean, I'm not some sort of super math genius. But pretty sure that less than half of the players on the roster are actually starters, and you have to yeah. fill in depth. So right. yeah, let's not let's not overreact to every signing, whether it you know, on either end of the spectrum. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if the team trades for Patrick Peterson, doesn't mean they're going to the Super Bowl. It means they got a cornerback with a really good history. Why? <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is gonna. I mean, listen, we can't. It's kind of like a cake and eat it too situation, right? You can't say, well, we don't like that they're just targeting guys who they've had on their team before. But then at the same time, like we get all kind of like Mark Cook is getting all kinds of praise on Twitter because he's saying the team should trade for Patrick Peterson. And uh, did I write? I can't remember which one of us wrote the Tyra Matthew free agent primer. That, was, uh, that got up with me. Yeah, that was, that was mine. So that, I write a lot, guys. Um, that got a lot of love. I remember that. Like there was a lot of people like, yeah, yeah, bring on the honey badger. Yeah, yeah, bring on bring on Patrick Peterson. Well, I mean, the, the shoe fits in, in multiple ways. I mean, those two people didn't make the Arizona Cardinals successful back then. You know, there there are multiple pieces of that whole thing. Andre Ellington was a piece of that. Uh, even when he got hurt, I promise you, David Johnson has given props to Andre Ellington at some point in time in his career for helping develop him at such a young age in the NFL. And I promise you that a guy like Marcus Golden, who I just added today to our free agent profile series, is a guy that the defensive his defensive teammates would say helped them have such a successful run on defense uh, up until you know uh, the, the bottom fell out of the Cardinals. So if if they were to sign a Marcus Golden, even though he's not the most popular name in the free agent market, he's a key. He was a key part of he, the dude had twelve and a half sacks in their best season together. So he was a key part in why they were so successful. He's not Patrick Peterson. He didn't make the Pro Bowl that year. But 12 and a half sacks coming from the outside linebacker position is a good year for anybody. So for every time you say, yay, let's trade for Patrick Peterson, yay, let's let's sign the Honey Badger, well, there's a potential to, to sign an Andre Ellington and a Marcus Golden. And guess what? All four of them had shares and, and influence on the success that the team had back then. So it, it all works in the same 
uh, direction. All right. Well, David, why don't we jump on over to Chris's voicemail? Yeah. Hey, James. Hey, David. It's Chris uh, at Tampa Bay underscore Bucks underscore for life. <laughs> and uh, just seeing that the Bucks plan on keeping Gerald McCoy, I like him as a player, but I just think given his salary and his age um, and declining production that this is the uh, wrong move for the Bucks to make, um, especially switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4. I don't really see him as a 3-4 defensive end. Um, maybe they restructure the contract, but I, I just think overall it's a bad move. I mean, the guy had 28 tackles and six sacks last year. Uh, you're paying him $13 million. Uh, to me, that's just not financially smart, especially given that, yeah, you know, you're going to have your own younger players to resign as far as Quan. Um, seems like it's a foregone conclusion Adam Humphreys is leaving. Uh, Donovan Smith is going to be your biggest uh, signing this, this offseason. It seems like everything I've read seems like they want to move forward with Donovan Smith. That's going to cost you about 12 to $14 million, So. Uh, just hope the Bucks are making the best moves. Um, I, I'm just not really a big fan of this move. I've liked Gerald McCoy as a player, as a person, but I just think it's the time, you know, time to move on and, and start this defense over. Have a great day. Go Bucks. All right, Chris, appreciate the call. Um, look, the thing about Gerald McCoy is, yeah, 13 million is is a high number, but in in Rick Stroud's column where he where he reported this. He talked about how he spoke with with Arians and Bowles, and they feel that he is going to fit Todd Bowles' scheme. Gerald McCoy at Oklahoma played defensive end in a 3-4 defense. He's done it before. Um, as far as sacks are concerned, you know, there's – I don't want to say there's too much emphasis put on the sack numbers, but there's too much emphasis put on the sack numbers. Interior defensive linemen generally are not the ones that are getting these sacks. Gerald McCoy has a run of six consecutive seasons of having at least six sacks. For an interior defensive lineman in a 4-3, that's not bad. You know, There was only six interior defenders that had double-digit sacks in the entire NFL last season. So people seem to have this, this preconceived notion of what Gerald McCoy is supposed to be. Buccaneers fans were spoiled with Warren Sapp. He was the exception, not the rule. That's why he has a gold jacket. That's why he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's not what your typical defensive tackle in a 4-3 does. Warren Sapp was a freak of nature. Aaron Donald is a freak of nature. Gerald McCoy is a damn good football player. And no, he doesn't get double-digit sacks, but that's not the end-all, be-all for somebody like Gerald McCoy. So as far as his salary is concerned, we wouldn't think twice if the Bucks had the kind of cap room they've had the last five years. I mean, Bucks fans would not think twice. The big sticking point is the fact that they don't have that flexibility. Gerald McCoy can give them that flexibility. He can sit down with Jason Light. They can convert part of his payroll into, you know, a roster bonus or a workout bonus or something else to that effect that can help them with the cap. We see it every year. Drew Brees does it. Tom Brady does it. Other players do this. There are ways to work around it to make sure Gerald gets his 13 and the Bucks have cap flexibility. So, if Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians think it's the right thing for the team moving forward to keep Gerald McCoy, I'm totally fine with it. And and something else that I wrote on BucksNation.com was 
if Bruce Arians is the guy that we all believe he's he is, and he's going to do to this team what we all believe that he will, and that is make them a playoff contender, get them into the postseason. Nobody on this roster deserves that opportunity more than Gerald McCoy. He has been with this team for the last nine seasons, and they have been garbage. He has had a handful of players in the time that he's been here that have truly helped him out up until probably the last couple of seasons when we've really seen this influx in talent. But outside of Gerald McCoy and Levante David, I mean, David, can you think of of somebody from 2012, the 2012 team, just to pick a random number, that was worth a crap on this Buccaneers team besides Gerald McCoy and Levante David? No. Exactly. What, 2012, that would you, so Josh Freeman, where is he? Uh, number one receiver was what, Mike Williams? Well, he's out of the NFL. Kellen Winslow, by that time, I, I don't know, was that, had Greg Schiano joined yet in 2012? I can't even remember. You I've know, blocked so, all of that out of my memory. Yeah. So Kellen Winslow may have already been traded at that point to the Seahawks or, or wherever he went. I The team was crap. And McCoy has been here year after year after year, busting his butt, making Pro Bowls, you know, becoming all an All Pro. You know, he deserves this opportunity. And if Arians and Bowles think think that it's right for him to to stay with the team, then who are we to question it? Because these guys have a track record of success. This isn't like you know, first time head coach in the NFL, Greg Schiano. This isn't like first time head coach anywhere, Raheem Morris or or Dirk Cutter or you know, love the the Lovey Smith disaster. This is a guy that is a proven winner in the NFL. I will trust his decision making. Yeah, if 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 BA uh, and Todd Bowles want to keep Jerome McCoy at thirteen million, or if they ask him to restructure and he agrees to restructure and they keep him, uh, then I'm all for it. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna believe I know more than they do. Um, what I, what I will say is this: that there there is a difference in like just saying playing defensive end is is a very general general term, right? Because you've got defensive ends who 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 try to set and or bend the edge and you got defensive ends who essentially play play like defensive tackles they just line up in a, in a different in a different gap they don't they don't line up uh necessarily on what most people would consider the interior and i was talking to, to a friend of mine about this uh earlier today and what he thinks so what, what he envisions for a buccaneers defense that has gerald mccoy is more of a four two five type of alignment and and that that resonated really well with me because I think that's that's very much what you could see if if Gerald McCoy does in fact stay in Tampa, is you could see Vita Vea playing you know over center or kind of or, or, or in that gap, and you could see Gerald McCoy shaded to one side or the other because he's he's lined up in his career on both sides of the defensive line as well, and then you could have like a Carl Nassib or a JPP standing up but on the defensive line. You understand. Like the the designation when you talk about guys like Pro Football Focus and stuff like that, the designation of whether you're a defensive end or a linebacker is a yards in reference to the line of scrimmage alignment versus a hand position. Like you don't have to have your hand in the dirt to be considered a defensive lineman, according to guys like Pro Football Focus and according to a lot of football schemes. When you have a four two five. There's absolutely nothing that says that two of those defensive linemen could be standing up. And they could be JPP, they could be Carl Nassib, or it could be Kendall Beckwith, and it could be, I don't know, Levante David standing up on the line of scrimmage, considered one of the four that would be considered on that defensive line. And then you have your Quan and your, I don't know, Devin White or Kendall Beckwith or 
Devontae Bond or, or whoever, Darius Taylor, you know, shaded or uh, lined up actually off the line of scrimmage in a quote unquote linebacker position. So it's it's not so much it's not so much important to get fixated on the 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 numeration of everything as it is to understand the role that everybody is going to play. You could run a three four defense with McCoy lined up as a three tech, Vita Vea lined up right over the center, JPP with his hand in the dirt on the right side or the left side, and then a stand up linebacker on the line of scrimmage. And the way PFF is going to map that is that stand-up linebacker, while they look like a linebacker to the rest of us, on PFF, that's going to be a defensive end snap, okay? So one person calls it a tomato, one person calls it a tomato. At the end of the day, like like Coach Arians has said since the day he got hired, it's all about maximizing your talent. This could all we – don't, we don't see everything that's going on. They're, they're never going to tell us everything that's happening inside the building. This could be a situation where it's – we feel like we could be successful with Gerald McCoy. And then as soon as – the newspaper reporters out of the room. As soon as the cameras are off, as soon as the voice recorders turned off, the words that follow that are because right now we don't have anybody better anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, on draft night, that could change. It could be, hey, Ed Oliver's there. Hey, guys, could we be more successful or equally successful with Ed Oliver or uh, generally as successful looking at the dollar difference with Ed Oliver as we could with Gerald McCoy? And the consensus around the room is, yeah, given the dollar difference and the youth and the future, we could be just as or more successful at Oliver as we could with Gerald McCoy. And on that night, now Gerald McCoy's future as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer is in question because the Buccaneers draft at Oliver in the first round. And next thing you know, the Bucs are sending him away for a draft pick the very next night or two weeks later, they cut him because now the dynamic of the roster has changed. And again, it's not the numeration, it's the talent on the roster. And if the, if the Buccaneers feel at a later date that they can be as successful or more successful without Gerald McCoy on the roster, they will make that move. But right now, as it stands, if you look at the 2019 roster, the roster fits best with Gerald McCoy on it, no matter how you, how you shave it. That doesn't mean that's going to be the truth come April, come July, come August, come September. All right. Well, David, anything else before we, uh, before we wrap up the episode? No, I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> you sound, you sound very confident in that. So the last thing I would say is just that nothing in any business is set in stone. Okay. Um, nobody right now is talking about Jer- Jason Pierre-Paul and whether or not he's safe. And that's because from an outsider standpoint and from a fan standpoint, that dude just did something that hasn't been done in this franchise in a really long time. So why would you move on for him, from him? Well, isn't Jer- Jason Pierre-Paul making more money than Gerald McCoy? Yes. Yeah. When's the last time he played in a 3-4? God, honestly, I don't know. I don't either. I haven't taken the time to look at it. Nobody's taken the time to ask that question. Can JPP be a 3-4 defensive end? Just because he's a defensive end doesn't mean he can be a 3-4 defensive end. You know what I mean? Again, it, it, talk about numeration and ability. Does Jason Pierre-Paul fit what the Buccaneers are going to want him to do? I don't know. I don't know what Todd Bowles wants him to do. You, you know, know what I mean? Honestly, maybe one of the reasons that JPP hasn't been talked about is because when Arians was hired, we had that report that came out that said that Arians had already tried to trade for him once. So people right. just kind of automatically assume like, well, he tried to get him once. Obviously, you know, he's not going to get rid of him now. Yeah, now you got him. But we don't know that necessarily either because, right. again, time time changes a lot of things. And JPP is not the same man he was back when Bruce Arians tried to trade for him. And he's a little bit older, so on and so forth. I mean, you never know, guys. There, there's just we're never going to know everything that's happening in those offices and in those conversations. Um, but what I will tell you is that no matter what comes out, uh, until you hear Bruce Arians say 
Gerald McCoy is not going anywhere, Gerald McCoy could definitely go somewhere. Like the only reason I have a, I have as much confidence as I do is sit here on this podcast and say when Jameis Winston takes the field for the Buccaneers in 2019 instead of if Jameis Winston and so on and so forth is because we have heard Bruce Arians say Jameis Winston is the quarterback of this team. If Bruce Arians got asked, is Jameis Winston the quarterback of this team? And he says, we really like what Jameis Winston can do for this team. You did not answer my question. You know what I'm saying? So there would be some conversations being had. But he has said, Bruce Aaron, or Bruce Arians has said, James Winston is the quarterback of this team. So until you see Bruce Arians come up to a microphone or Jason Light come up to a microphone and say, Gerald McCoy is going to be a player of the Buccaneers in 2019, doesn't mean he's going to be a player for the Buccaneers in 2019. What it means is, as of today, as of the time, you know, Rick Stroud had the conversation with Bruce Arians, the Buccaneers like what Gerald McCoy brings to what they're looking to do on defense. 100%. But that's today. Tomorrow, that could change. April, that could change. August, that could change. You never know. Uh, it could it could always change, and it could be Jason Pierre-Paul that's out the door. There, there's a, there's a lot of other options that could that could happen. Um, so I would just say don't. I just wouldn't get wrapped too much around saying like this is all set in stone and, and everything else because if if in if in April if in March right we're still in February so if in March Gerald McCoy gets traded that doesn't mean Bruce Arians was lying in February when he told Rick Stroud that they liked what he brought to Todd Bowles' defense. It just means that. Whatever happened since then, they liked better than what they then like they then they liked Gerald McCoy in their defense. That's all that's all that means. It doesn't mean that anybody lied, it doesn't mean anybody was wrong. It just means things can change because everything changes in business. The roster is always a fluid situation. Yeah. Teams are always looking to get better. Teams are always making calls to other teams because they will take the opportunity or take the chance to improve at every single position that they can. So as of right now, today, yes, Gerald McCoy is a Buccaneer. If something else comes along and, you know, somebody comes knocking on Jason Light's door and says, you know, hey, we'll give you our first round pick in in this year's draft and we'll give you a third round pick next year if you give us Gerald McCoy. Jason Light's probably going to take that deal because you're, you know, and that deal wouldn't happen. I'm obviously being, you know, facetious, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's a great deal. And so yeah. things things can change in the blink of an eye. You know, just yeah. like no, nobody was talking about how Jason Pierre-Paul was on the trade block last year because he wasn't, but all of a sudden he was a Buccaneer like that. So yeah, well, and, and I remember when he got traded to the Bucks, a lot of us were talking about we looked at JPP's contract. We're like, oh, oh, cool. We can get him for this year. And if it doesn't pan out, they can cut him no problem next year. Right. And now nobody's talking about cutting this dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Things change. Uh, you look at Quan. Mark Cook wrote a great thing about Quan Alexander about how, you know, uh, how he deserves uh, to be paid and he deserves to be rewarded. I mentioned it when we were on with JC that this guy's been playing on backup money, uh, putting in starter reps and starter performance and went to a Pro Bowl and all that stuff. And in a perfect world and man to man, like if I was sitting in front of Quan right now, I would say, yes, you deserve all of that money. And then if I then went in Jason Light's office and he said, hey, we're not going to pay him that much money because of the injury and the concerns that comes with that. I would look at him and I would say, yes, that makes 100 percent sense. And both things are right at the same time. Quan definitely deserves to be paid in retrospect for what he's done. Jason Light is definitely smart to not necessarily pay him that money. Both things are accurate. Both things are correct. That sucks. (laughs) <laughs> but it, it is what it is. And at the end of the day, 
Quan's got to make a decision. And is he willing to possibly get paid less money because of his injury? And he knows how the business works to come back to the Buccaneers and prove to everybody that his knee is fine and get paid after that or get paid uh, through incentives, you know, when he proves that, a la Richard Sherman? Or is Jason Light going to be right in refusing to offer Quan that much money and Quan leaves in free agency and finds money somewhere else? Both decisions would be correct decisions with very different outcomes. And that's the problem with this. I wouldn't say it's a problem with the business. It's just it's just how the business works. Yeah, it's the um, difference of the game. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you ask, if you ask me, and I'm not gonna get too long on this, right? But if you ask me, you want you want the fair pay scale? Here's here's your fair fair pay scale. Every team pays their team, their roster, this much money. The percentage of production you provide to the team determines the percentage of the pot you get. Go get your money. So you mean like normal jobs where you're paid? Oh, that's not true. <laughs> my career field definitely doesn't pay for performance. My career field pays you in, in my career field. You do a, B, C and D, and then you get promoted and paid to do something in the future that you're supposed to do that. And I will tell you, there are definitely people who don't live up to their contracts and their money. There are some who over who exceed their money. So hopefully some jobs out there work that way, but uh, my job definitely doesn't work that way. And the NFL doesn't work that way. All right. Well, David, we are out of time. Um, We're probably a little bit over. Just a heads up for all of our listeners. Uh, David and I will be in Indianapolis covering the scouting combine. Um, Hopefully we'll get the opportunity to speak with Bruce Arians and or Jason Light at some point. But uh, David and I have kind of mapped out some players that we're going to be looking for and and have the opportunity to speak with. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, If you guys have any Combine-related questions, make sure that you're sending them in at 813-444-5841. You know, we can't guarantee that we're going to be able to answer those questions, but we will do our best to try to make sure that we get the coverage that you guys want out of this to bring back to you on the podcast. So hopefully we'll get some guests while we're out there for some quick little guest spots on, on the show. And uh, of course there will be round the clock coverage while we're in Indianapolis on BucksNation.com. So really looking forward to that. And I mean, shoot, David, that's the first time you and I are ever going to meet face to face. I know it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of people. I mean, we've never, we've never met, uh, Paige face to face. We're going to meet her face to face finally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, JC is going to be one of those guys. And Trevor. And Trevor. Yeah. I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of guys that, uh, as one as one of the people I was talking to on Twitter about this, uh, a lot of people we know that we're finally going to meet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because, yeah, you and I have been working together. Have we been, have we been working together three for years? Three? Is it two or three? Three. I think it's three. It's, we're going on three, I think. Yeah. Oof. It's a long time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, looking forward to it. We're going to have a lot of fun in Indy. So, um, yeah, again, any any kind of Combine-related questions or inquiries, we will do our best to relay answers to you all. Just give us a call at 813-444-5841. Yeah, and check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter, at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and, of course, at Bucks underscore Nation. We'll have a lot of coverage of the Combine on that Twitter Twitter account as well. Thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. I'm the son of a third generation farmer. I've been married 10 years to the farmer's
make I make a lot of hate for a little pain But I'm proud to say I'm a God-fearing, hard-working combine driver Hogging up the road on my b b b flower Chucking 